Welcome to Walking with the Archetypes, the podcast which gives you keys to claiming your personal power. For more than a decade now, I've studied the King, Warrior, Magician, Lover archetypes, and in this time of great turmoil, I will reveal their secrets. My name is Ivan Fingenskjær-Schellum, founder of Men's Initiation, Reclaim Your Inner Throne, and it's time now to head outside and walk with the archetypes. Welcome back to another episode of the Walking with the Archetypes podcast, where I take you into nature to talk about archetypes and things I care about. My name is Ivan, and today I am by one of my favorite lakes in the area. It's a lovely viewpoint. I see the lake down below. It's a bit windy today, so there's all kinds of currents in the water and rain clouds up above. We'll see if I am able to get through this without getting soaked. But I'm happy to say we've had some good rain here in the Stockholm region over the last couple of days. I was sad to see how the birch trees and the oak trees around our house were starting to go yellow in autumn colors and in July and that just didn't feel right. But now nature has had a good downpour a good deal to drink and uh, I actually feel a bit uh, rinsed myself so um, I'm yeah I'm excited to step into this podcast with you today because it's a topic that I really fucking care about the inner critic I don't know if you know the Enneagram personality typing system but I'm a one and if you know that system, you know that I'm prone to having a strong inner critic, perfectionist, visionary, wanting to save the world and all that jazz. Like the Gandhis of the world, you know, that those have been ones. And, um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a blessing and a curse. That's a blessing and a curse because I've had this voice nagging me about all the ways that I wasn't good enough for most of my life and become quite familiar with this dynamic and I also experience a distinct lack of the inner critic these days and so being that this is a topic that is so present for many of you listening keeping you small keeping you held back, keeping you in some kind of inner struggle with yourself at all times. I'm just, yeah, grateful that I have the opportunity now to share my experiences with this. So as I stand here, feel the wind on my face, I am ready to start. And if you are ready as well, let's dive in. So let's just be clear that I will be recording the whole of the podcast out in nature today, not just the intro and the outro. So if there should be a bit of wind on the microphone, then please have patience. Uh, it's what we have to work with today. I think it's just a lovely opportunity to be out here. And I think it will add a lot to the podcast. So now that you know that, let's dive in with a little bit of Sigmund Freud. So in Sigmund Freud's 
model of the psyche, he had three levels. He had the id, which was essentially the instinct, the self-serving part, the animal part, mind, 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 food, sex, everything that I can just take and experience is the id. And then we have the ego, which is the sort of well-adjusted, normal part of ourselves, our identities, may more or less well-adjusted, I would say, but shall we say our social self, our cultural self. And then above that, we have the superego. And the superego is the inner voice, the moralizing voice telling you what to do, telling me what to do or not to do. It helps us become more functional in the social dynamics, yes, though at the price of repressing ourselves. And so the idea then that Freud had was that we are born then with a lot of expression of the id, and then the parents, they start molding us into the image that they want us to, to be, and that those voices start to be integrated as the superego over time. And um, I do believe that that model is still very relevant. Though, um, let's, let's see if we can add some, some thoughts of our own here today, because I do believe that we've moved on a bit from, from Freud. And now I feel rain. <laughs> I feel the rain. Okay, let's see how, how bad it gets. So many men are ravaged by their superego women as well. This inner critic that keeps going, you're not good enough, you can't do it, you haven't done enough, da 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 da, da da da, more, 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 better, 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 adjust, be better, calibrate, do, 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 do. And it's, it's so common. Oh lordy, lordy, lord, it's actually, I think it might legitimately rain. So I'm going to see if I can find a tree that can cover me a little bit. And as already mentioned, this dynamic is very familiar. It is a stifling dynamic. It is a dynamic that creates a lot of pain because you have these two internal voices. This is popularized by the archetypal image of the angel on one shoulder and the devil on another. The devil basically being the id, saying, I can have it, it's mine, I'll take it, I'll fuck it, I'll eat it, I'll kill it. Whereas the angel will tell you, oh no, don't do that, be well behaved, do this, do that, and the other. So not really much of an angel, is it? Not really. Maybe we can find something better than that moralizing angel today. So one of the questions that I asked myself for the longest time, I asked my teachers this, I went to workshops to get answers to this question, was how do I relate with this inner critic? Do I say no to him? For me, it was a male. Maybe for you, it could be a female. 
but my my inner critic always had the flavor of my male lineage and strangely i found that my grandfather on the paternal grandfather who i never met actually lived inside of me as an inner critic and this is the kind of family dynamics where you can inherit patterns that aren't really yours and, and so i had bernard my father's father who died decades before i was born he was inside of my head because he lived inside of my father's head and my father didn't really resolve that dynamic and bernard probably had his father and grandfather inside of his head and so it went on and the particular conditioning of my male lineage has been to be disciplined responsible to be repressing your desires and to be well adjusted to serve your your nation to serve the culture uh, pretty classical traditional values really though uh, values that of course create enormous amounts of splitting in the psyche because it does require that i say no to a lot of desires and instincts internally and i would be surprised if you don't know what i'm talking about here is that there are things that you feel an urge for, like a desire for, but you can't have it. Or maybe you have so utterly suppressed your desire that you don't even know what you want to begin with. That's even worse, right? That's very difficult to be with. And so you end up being um, someone who adapts to the surroundings all of the time. So when I realized this, I was just like, fuck Bernard, you're in my head, what are you doing there? And still, I didn't quite know how to deal with him. I didn't know. Should I tell him to fuck off? Or do I need to love him? Do I need to ensure that he's feeling some kind of welcome, some kind of redeeming quality that I need to sort of bring an ease to the psychic imprints of my grandfather. I had these questions. Could never figure them out. Really couldn't. Because I was engaging with this in a very cognitive way. I didn't really have clear answers to how to do the actual transformational work. I had theory and I also didn't really get clear answers from the people that I asked. And so for the longest time, this, this question has tormented me. How can I deal with this fucking nagging voice in my head? And earlier this week, almost by a chance coincidence, I just noticed that, oh, my inner critic is gone. Bernard isn't here. Like, what the fuck? What happened and how, how didn't I even notice it? How didn't I celebrate along the way? It's a pretty amazing thing that happened here and I didn't even notice it. But after the break, I am going to speak about some of the keys that got me to this place because I can assure you, life is a lot better without this super ego telling me that I'm not good enough, that I just need to work harder, that I just need to repress my desires more, because that was my particular flavor. I look forward to diving into that with you after the break. 
and I hope I don't get fully soaked before we speak again. Good news guys, we are leaving Facebook. Due to the obvious and egregious censorship, the kind of collusion with autocratic government, it's just making it untenable to utilize Facebook for any kind of community or training delivery platform. And so we have set up a new community space that I now invite you into. We are going to officially open this up in the near future. But as a listener to the Walking with the Archetypes podcast, you get an early adopter invite. So join us inside of Sanctuary today, a place without lies and deception, where we have the kinds of conversations about truth and what matters in life that you want to have. And where you can also experience group coaching for free and also paid membership programs, training. It's going to be a powerful place. Go to members.innerthrone.com today to register. I'll see you there. Yep, it's still raining and I think I just have to accept that I'm going to get wet today. Yeah, no biggie. Let's continue. So the, um, the idea that you may have experienced from meditation around finding a point of focus is one that I want to bring into this conversation. Because what I found is that when I really obsess about the inner critic and bring all of my attention towards the inner critic, uh, I just feed the dynamic. And so to think that I'm about to resolve this situation with having this nagging, really strict voice inside of my head by focusing a lot on the voice, yeah, that's a dead end. That's a dead end that I crashed my head against. You know, I, I just went down that road for so many years, I'd say even decades. Didn't get very far. And so it's a bit like in meditation. What do you do when you meditate? Do you obsess about the quality of your thoughts? Do you look at every thought that you have and wonder, oh, should I say yes to this thought or should I say no to this thought? No, you'd go crazy, right? What you do is that you bring your point of focus to your breath, to a feeling in your body, to a picture, to a flame, to a mandala, to a mantra, and you focus on something which is not your thoughts. You don't go to war against your thoughts when you meditate. That drives you crazy. And so similarly, when you have an inner critic that is fierce inside of your head, would you go to war on your inner critic to try and shut him up? No. Doesn't work, see? And so this inner critic will be alive and well in a rather dysfunctional way the more you are repressing the lower energies of your being. This is a bit similar to the conversation that we've had previously about the red energy, the red force. So you can go back to, to earlier podcasts on personal power and the red knight to reference back to those conversations. But, but it's, 
is very, very, very strongly correlated. As a man, as a contemporary man, you have probably learned to be well-behaved, to be nice, to be a nice man. And as a result, you split. Your psyche splits. And so much of your instinctual self, so much of your desire, so much of your territorialism, so much of your regression goes underground where you cease to have dominion over it. It is an energetic dynamic in your being that you are now completely enslaved by. Why? Well, it's because since you have chosen to disconnect from it and repress it, probably by command of the superego, that superego feels, well, feels very vindicated and justified and it will just do whatever it can to keep ensuring that your energy level, that your sense of self is low enough that you won't risk opening Pandora's box, if you will. Pandora's box is really not the best image here because it's not really like you will open this and all hell will break loose. That's the illusion rather. But shall we say opening the doorways to your power. So the dilemma here is one of expression. What are you going to express? Are you going to express to a woman that you find her attractive? Or a man if that's your preference? Will you do that? Are you going to express honestly what you really like? If you like money, will you be, will you admit to yourself that you like money? Will you admit to yourself that you like beautiful things? Will you admit to yourself that you want more? See, in, in this post-Lutheran Catholic culture that so many of us live in, we're not really supposed to admit it. But that doesn't mean that it's not still there. The way to quiet the inner critic is to be fully expressed in a way that doesn't hurt others and that doesn't compromise their sovereignty. But it sure as hell will seem socially taboo to a lot of people. If you are going to be somebody who is at ease with yourself and feels the absence of this inner torment, you will have to become a black sheep. There is no way around it. You can try as much as you like to deal with the inner critic directly and nothing will happen. But the moment you start having a fierce voice in the world, in your life, on behalf of that which you believe in, that you're congruent with yourself, that whatever id forces, whatever instinctual forces live inside of you, feel honored 
feel on some level expressed. And while this isn't the whole story, just feel into this a little bit. What things in your life are you repressing? Is it sex? Is it power? Has it got to do with money? Luxury? Yeah, anger? Maybe even violence and hate? It could be. That's okay. I mean, there's no shame in it. What lives in you lives in you and you don't need to hide it because then it actually owns you but just feels in feel into that now what is it that runs your life by virtue of you actually repressing it for me it's been a lot around power and aggression i've had hang-ups on sex and money as well these are the typical three things that you will find at the center of the inner critic dynamic that on some level you have repressed or rejected these three from your life power sex and money so that's a taboo topic right so that's one thing to be fully expressed and to allow the lower uh, energies not to say that essentially power, sex and money are lower energies, but they certainly have a connection with the instinctual realm, which is why they often get so challenging for us. And, and so, so that's the, the one part. But what, and the other part I found is that, you know, self-acceptance is very, very important. And actually being fully expressed is a form of honoring your self-acceptance. It is a form of self-acceptance. Instead of hiding what lives in you, you express it. Doesn't mean that you moan and bitch about things, but it means that the things that you actually care about, you share it with the world. You don't live a double life. You don't have a split personality. Though you also need to have some level of self-acceptance in order to, to deal with this inner critic. At least this is my experience, because I struggle with this one. I struggle with this one and I found that I, for a long time, chose partners that would collude with me on my lacking self-acceptance. And so for a long time, I had partners who would eagerly point out my flaws. And so they would, yeah, they would be perfect partners for me, a guy who believed in my inner critic. And so I wanted to be better somehow. And at the same time, I had all of this repressed red, all of this repressed id forces. And so that was, that was a challenging place to be. But then... I found a new relationship with my current partner, Michelle. And that dynamic is gone because I've been willing to move beyond this intimacy around self-sabotage and self-rejection. Right, so the intimate relationship that I have is an expression of my level of self-acceptance and starts to feed my level of self-acceptance because she is a manifestation, we are a manifestation to each other of an increased level of self-acceptance, of an increased level of self-love. 
And so the unfortunate, the unfortunate thing here is that so many people are in relationships that are like a battlefield and where your partner actually makes you feel worse and not better. And so to summarize what I've been talking about today, first of all, to deal with the inner critic. Don't turn your inner critic, your super ego, into a point of focus. Don't make this inner voice uh, protagonist of the drama of your life. Don't. Rather start discovering what you are repressing and start finding ways that are wholesome, healthy, loving and in service to express those things. Then, as a result, parts of you that have been gone for a long time will start returning back home. And you'll start feeling more at ease and at peace. And the quieting of your inner critic is exactly what happens as your level of integration and wholeness starts to grow. Because when you're sovereign, the inner critic doesn't really have much of a role because you've integrated what lives in your head. You know how to express it, so you don't need the moralizing filter. You don't need this kind of socialized self based on the inner critic, this, this adaptation to all kinds of systems of relating that you believe that you need to fit into in your family, in your peer group, in your whatever circles. You start to move beyond those things. And now you're, you're basically in relationship with your inner core and you just, you just know what you're dedicated to. You know what you're in service to. And now you can express from that place. What, what work does the inner critic have to do? when you've integrated your instinctual self, your id, when you've stopped repressing, you find peace. Yeah, you find peace. So find peace with yourself. Find self-acceptance, self-love. Find a relationship that supports that. Start being fully expressed in a way that honors what is good and true and beautiful. Doesn't need to be politically correct. Can be fierce as hell. But it sure as hell isn't some kind of narcissistic, egoic spectacle. And to discover what is what here is potentially the journey of a lifetime. But at least now you know a couple of the pillars.
love the presence of the rain on today's podcast. Now the sun is shining up above here. Nature just feels rinsed once more. Something about rain feels like a blessing, especially when it's combined with sun, especially when there's a rainbow. But this feeling of receiving water from above has always been connected with a feeling of purification and blessing for me. That doesn't mean that I love to get wet, but in moments like this, yeah, I'm grateful. So today, Michelle and I, we're going to go away to um, learn horseback riding. We don't have a lot of experience with it. I'm gonna go with some friends of ours and uh, ride a horse all weekend. And that's a thing on my bucket list that I have been considering doing for a long time. And I'm quite excited about this level of intimacy with a horse. I've always <laughs> been intimidated by how big horses actually are when I'm close to them. So I don't know these animals well. I don't know how I will communicate with them. But I'm gonna head back home now, start moving through the woods. Yeah, I hope this was helpful to you. The things that I've said today have taken me about two decades to work out. And sure enough, I will still discover more truths about this. But if that is of value to you, what has taken me two, two decades to figure out, I know it's been helpful to me and my inner critic is all but gone. So be well. Talk to you next week, my friend. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me in this week's Walking with the Archetypes. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. And don't forget, you are invited to come walk with me next Friday when we will take another deep dive into the archetypal realms. To go deeper with this masculine operating system, head over to MasculineOS.com for a comprehensive free guide.